Welcome to Voices of Aging, where you learn more about aging through experts. We are ASIC, the Aging Studies Interdisciplinary Group at the University of Minnesota. Every episode, we invite people working in a variety of different fields related to aging and hear their stories. Tune in. Either you're considering a career in aging, or want to learn more about aging fields, or simply want to listen to a stimulating conversation, you will find something you like. Find Voices of Aging on the iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Madeline with the Voices of Aging podcast. We are hearing again today from Lisa Olson, this time about her work with the Giving Voice Chorus and the Amazing Grace Chorus to support people living with Alzheimer's and learning and performing choral music. This is an area with a significant amount of research showing behavioral and emotional benefits for people with Alzheimer's disease and dementia. Hello again, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining us again. Hello, Madeline. Thanks for having me. So uh, let's start by having you tell us about your time as a volunteer for these choruses. Oh, I'd be happy to. Um, I'm going to start with giving voice chorus because I I spent the most time with them. But so I discovered them really that found that the Minneapolis chapter of the giving voice chorus held their weekly rehearsals at McPhail, downtown Minneapolis, which is really only five minutes from my office. And they needed volunteers that could read music and sing. So besides being like a project manager and environments for aging aging specialist, I'm also a lifelong musician. So giving voice is a chorus. It's really a musical family for people living with a diagnosis of dementia and their care partners. It's not a drop-off day program. So there were couples there were siblings, some were just friends with each other. There was a grandmother and a grandson, and then those that came with their hired care provider. The volunteers in the choir then helped individuals that needed support if their care partner, for instance, sang in a different section. So this had the added benefit of providing some respite you know, for the care partner. These were all people that were still living at home. And we didn't just get together for weekly practice. We actually performed concerts like on a quarterly basis. So there was a goal and a a performance component of of it as well. So I managed to be able to participate most weeks really by just extending my lunch hour and uh, running down to join them. Um, They asked that you not only just attend the rehearsal, but stay around afterwards for the social time, as they found that's a really important part of the relationships between volunteers and uh, choir members. But they enthusiastically, you know, welcomed me and then partnered me with a woman named Artie, who was about mid-stage, I would say, on her dementia journey. Um, She had sparkly brown eyes and a great smile and a cheerful attitude and loved to wear 
interesting hats and really liked to sing, but she insisted on singing from memory versus the printed music and words that I held in a notebook and that I needed. Um, her husband sang in the tenor section and then Artie and I sat in the alto section. So my partnership with Artie required me to actually kind of unarchive some of my parenting skills from when my son was a small child. She was really engaged while we were singing, but the minute we stopped, she was out of her chair and headed either to um, connect with her husband or out of the rehearsal space, you know, in search of something like she was always ready for coffee and cookies, you know, much sooner than it was time for. So her husband and I established kind of some good buddy systems along the way because we couldn't ever assume that the other one was able to keep track of her every minute. And goodness, she was quick. But uh, spending time with her and, and the choir was really the highlight of my week. I mean, it really took me some time to kind of recalibrate my brain when I returned to my day job uh, later that afternoon. Uh, the founders and leadership of Giving Voice had really taken on uh, a really substantial and uh, I considered brave and innovative uh, project, which was to hire musical artists to create brand new music for the choir, which was based on interviews and stories from the choir members themselves. And they did uh, we had both a Minneapolis choir and a St. Paul choir, and and they spent a lot of time with all of them. And it was supposed to be originally just a few songs, but they couldn't stop writing because the stories were all, you know, so, so inspirational. It really, it turned out to be a really great learning experience for all of us, um, but it culminated in an incredible and really quite emotional performance at the Ordway. So it proved to not only the people living with the diagnosis and their families that they weren't limited to just recalling distant memories, but that also to the medical community, that these people could indeed learn new things and they were complex things. Thank you so much for sharing um, your journey. And it sounds like you have a pretty significant musical background. Was that involved in kind of your inspiration to start this volunteer work? I was really looking to learn more about the journey of living with a diagnosis of dementia and the effect that that had on their loved ones. So whether that be their spouse or other family members um, and close friends. But I was always look, also looking for ways that I could share my musical gifts, you know, with others to just really connect. Um, I had been, you know, a, a lifelong musician and involved in choirs for a long time, but this helped kind of bring the best of both of my worlds together. And I really wasn't prepared for how much I was going to learn and also the bonds, you know, created. I told myself when I was starting, you know, they did give us um, a bit of training and coaching so that you knew um, the best way to interact with those on, on the various stages of their journeys. But I told myself, 
don't get emotionally involved. Don't get emotionally involved. And that lasted about the first five minutes. So <laughs> it was it was wonderful to be able to just create that friendship and be there in this musical way of providing support for the family. Uh, Artie's adult children, none of them lived in the Minneapolis area. I think they were either out of state or out of the country. And so for her husband, this was, you know, all on him and and with some additional additional help. But this was something where they could still socialize together. Um, and it was, I mean, so many people in the choir said it's the highlight of their week. Um, there were many days when the care provider and the care partner said, I can't get them out of bed on most days, but when it's choir day, they're up and at them early. So that, that choir just really, it, it had a, a very broad impact, um, on those people. So. Yeah. And kind of based on your pretty significant musical background, um, I'd love to hear more about what music means to you. And then kind of related to that, what do you think of the impact of music therapy or musical activities for um, communities? Well, I I don't actually know where I would be without music in my life. Um, it's provided so much not only just developing skills and, you know, um, opportunities in life, um, but it also, I know it's helped, you know, my brain and learning it as a, a younger person. Um, I think um, having the science and the math and the music all tied together definitely helped my, you know, my overall education um, very much. Um, I mean, I started taking piano lessons when I was six and was really involved in both school and church music programs, you know, throughout my whole life. So it introduced me um, to a lot of uh, people and experiences um, in my early life um, that I am still, you know, using using today. Um, and through the hills and valleys of life, you know, sometimes when you're just, oh my goodness, whether you're, you're taking it in passively, you know, you're listening to someone else's music. I have um, close friends that are professional musicians and when nothing else is helping <laughs> or easing the pain, I can put on their music and, um, and just immediately know that, okay, things, you know, things are going to get better. So that, that's really how I view, that's all music therapy, you know, and we're so blessed to have the people that pursue, you know, music therapy as, as a career. Oh my goodness. It just, it to me is just such an important part of the overall uh, care plan. And many times that provides comfort um, when nothing else can, you know, whether you're living with dementia or not, but on various health journeys and life journeys, that I think is just some of the most important thing. And the more we can keep people involved in music activities, and again, it's intergenerational, you know, we can all enjoy that together. Um, and I think it's a wonderful bridge to different, between different cultures and uh, different generations as well. 
Absolutely. And as I kind of touched on a little bit in your introduction, this is an area with a significant amount of research um, showing those behavioral and emotional benefits for people, um, in particular those with Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia. Um, As a personal anecdote, my own grandmother had dementia and um, towards the end of her disease course was able to remember a lot of the music from her past when she wasn't able to remember much else at that point. I think her favorite song that we ended up playing on repeat for her was How Great Thou Art, specifically the Carrie Underwood (laughs) performance of that on YouTube. She just absolutely loved that. And so I'd love to hear, you, you know, you've kind of touched on this a little bit, but what evidence did you see of choral music helping people experiencing Alzheimer's or other forms of dementia in terms of their mood, um, their level of agitation, kind of their level of comfort, things like that? Well, it was pretty powerful just on with the experience that I had with Artie as, as her disease progressed. Um, you know, she went from um, mid-stage when I met her and over the course of the two years at it progressed to the point where, um, you know, she was having more physical challenges, you know, trouble swallowing, potential uh, for choking, things like that, that um, kind of worked in. Uh, she also became really nonverbal, but she still came um, to rehearsal. And there really, there wasn't any communication between us as you know, the directors were talking, we were getting mobilized. And the minute the music started, though, it's like there was a button that got pushed and she came to life. And it was, and you could see it, and you might have witnessed this with your grandmother as well, as then when the music stopped, she quickly, you know, quickly went back really into that previous kind of that, you know, just that manner There was one time that I noticed, and I'm probably going to get a little emotional describing this, but it was really amazing in that just because, I mean, it helped me to realize that just because someone is nonverbal, it does not mean that they are not taking in, you know, what's around them. Um, When I couldn't carry on, you know, any kind of communication with her, we were working on one song. I think it was actually an old Elvis song about, I can't help falling in love with you or something like that one. And it went on and she, at that point, she was enjoying the music and it definitely soothed her. You know, she was getting a fair amount of um, agitation as just part of her normal day-to-day behavior, but the music really calmed her down and she wasn't singing at that point, but she was obviously feeling it. And the last rehearsal that I actually had with her um, before she wasn't able to come anymore, we got to the line where it said in the song, in the middle of the song, it said, take my hand. And she reached over and took my hand and it was everything I could do, you know, to keep it together. (laughs) Um, And also it was so powerful to know that I couldn't, I couldn't have a conversation with her and have that reaction, but it came through in the music. So that part of our brains where only music goes, you know, is just, it's so, 
so strong and just, again, so, so hopeful. Um, but I saw that in, in everyone where you could tell the overall choir, you know, when they would come in, they were excited to be there. They were on cloud nine, you know, when we were singing and they were excited for the social time, but they also, you know, their care providers and, and um, their care partners did stress that, you know, that was quite unusual behavior for those that were a little bit more more advanced. You know, those that were in the very early stages were functioning at a, a little different level. But they really claim, too, that having that, not only that rehearsal, but that they had homework. You know, they worked on this music and practiced this music in in their homes. That's what we really encouraged. And that it really helped a lot to just... Um, you know, help deal with um, depression and uh, just some of the other things. It just made them all just so much more hopeful. Yes. And I, I really appreciate you sharing that personal experience. Um, you know, clearly a, a, something very emotional. And um, I think it's just the perfect example of how powerful music can be um, um, just for everyone, really. And um as we as we kind of wrap up here, you know, many of our um, audience members are either undergraduate students, graduate students, um, faculty members that kind of work and study in the fields around aging. Um, so I'm sure that many of our listeners would be interested in perhaps getting involved in a volunteer experience like this. Um, is that something that's a possibility? Oh, I definitely think so. Um, I didn't spend much time talking about the Amazing Grace Chorus. That's actually an offshoot. It was originally an offshoot from Giving Voice, um, and it was really designed more for the African-American community and their music traditions, which really are not based on you know paper music. But they also looked at opening up their rehearsals and that chorus to people that weren't necessarily living with dementia, but maybe had other um, health challenges. Um, and so that uh, was is based in St. Paul, but it has now become a freestanding entity and it's totally connected to the Walker West Music Academy. And so I would definitely either contact them or McPhail to be able to get a hold of Giving Voice. Um, and there is another, there's several other uh, choirs that have been inspired, I mean, nationally as well as locally. Uh, I think there's another one in Excelsior. There's, I know there's one in Rochester. Um, and so there are ones to just contact them. I think they would just love to have volunteers uh, and help because it helps everyone. The more that those of you that um, have chosen this work, thank you so much. Um, we need you. Um, there are just so many more of us. You know, the population is is growing unless a cure is found soon. That only will help, you know, prevent and lessen what hasn't been developed. Um, you know, there are just so many that are already living with it that we that we need to uh, be able to support. But I would definitely contact with uh, contact them. Uh, I think they would just really help guide. So, and whether it would just be observing some rehearsals or actively um, helping various uh, members and activities of the choir. So, hope that helps. 
It definitely does. Um, thank you for sharing that. And thank you so much um, for sharing your experiences and um, expertise. Um, this has been a great conversation. Thank you, Madeline, for having me. It was just an honor. This podcast is brought to you by ASIC, the Aging Studies Interdisciplinary Group at the University of Minnesota. We are a collaborative networking group for students studying aging across the university. Stay tuned for the next episodes of Voices of Aging, where you learn more about aging through experts.